Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. The Most High in the name of Christ bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room, where we examine recent events as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. This week, uh, we have a subject matter here that uh, I think is going to raise a lot of eyebrows. Um, This article comes from World Net Daily. It's dated for July 9th, 2008. The title for the article is Gay Man Sues Bible Publishers $70 Million Dollars for emotional distress because homosexuality cast as sin. Now, that's saying a whole lot. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of this, and then we'll go in and uh, introduce here with me in the virtual living room. It starts off, a uh, homosexual man has a blog on Senator Barack Obama's campaign website is suing two major Christian publishers for violating his constitutional rights and causing emotional pain because the Bible versions, you need to emphasize that, the Bible versions they publish refer to homosexuality as a sin. Bradley LaShawn Fowler, 39, of Canton, Michigan, is seeking $60 million from Zondervan and another $10 million from Thomas Nelson, publishing and lawsuits filed in U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Michigan, the Grand Rapids Press reported. Fowler filed his claim against Grand Rapids-based Zondervan Monday, alleging its Bible references to homosexuality as his sin have made him an outcast from his family and contributed to physical discomfort and periods of demoralization, chaos, and bewilderment, the paper said. Now, that sounds like a justifiable reason to file a suit if you're causing all that on somebody. Fowler, who is representing himself in both lawsuits, says in his complaint against Zondervan that the publisher intended to design a religious, sacred document to reflect an individual opinion or a group's conclusion to cause me or anyone who is a homosexual to endure verbal abuse, discrimination, episodes of hate, and physical violence, including murder. Fowler alleges both Zondervan and Thomas Nelson, with his King James Bible, manipulated scripture without informing the public by using the terms homosexuals in a New Testament passage, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It goes on to say Fowler's blog on Senator Barack Obama's campaign website features a post titled, Unleashing America from Injustice in which he says he was completely distraught after discovering the term homosexual was added to the Bible in 1976 and then removed in 2001 and 2006 without any consideration to the many victims who who committed suicide or were murdered because of their sexual preference of homosexuality. Uh, It goes on to say that the Obama campaign notes the opinions expressed in his community blog section Section in no way should be interpreted as endorsed or approved by the campaign. 
Now, the scripture of 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 that uh, he's calling to question, in 1970 it read as, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor idolaters is what it says here, nor uh, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. In 1982, the same scripture read like this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And then in 2001, the same scripture read like this. Surely you know that the people who do wrong will not inherit God's kingdom. Do not be fooled. Those who sin sexually, worship idols, take part in adultery, those who are male prostitutes are men who have sexual relations with other men, those who steal, are greedy, get drunk, lie about others, or rob people will not inherit God's kingdom. All right, that's saying a mouthful. And at this time, I would like for uh, the brothers that have uh, here with me in the virtual living room to go ahead and introduce themselves. Shalom, brothers and sisters. Um, most high in the name of Christ bless all. Um, thank you once again for having me on the show. My name is the brother Kazak. <clears throat> all praises in the name of Christ, the Son of the Heavenly Father. Uh, my name is Jonathan, and the words go out to bring our people to repentance. Shalom, brothers and sisters. My name is Kabar. Uh, all praises I have uh, another show uh, for the edification of our people. Um, shalom to all. Shalom, brothers. Uh, most high in the name of Christ bless you. Um, I just want to uh, bring out bring out a point here, and that is that uh, we did a uh, program on a gay marriage a few weeks ago. So we're, we're not uh, in this program uh, speaking in terms so much of, you know, homosexuality and all. But uh, does this person have a, a, a legitimate point, you know, as to the Bible publishers uh, changing the wording in the scriptures and then rechanging it again? Is this something they can do? All right, so that's that's the that's the gist of it. So we're going to discuss uh, whether homosexuality should or shouldn't be written in the Bible, the word homosexuality or homosexual, and we're also going to discuss whether the Bible uh, condemnation of certain behaviors and lifestyles uh, and so forth should also be obsolete. You know, are are any changes at all allowed to the Bible? And if so, what what would those changes be? And uh, I guess to, to start off, uh, Brother Kazakia. Uh, I, I believe you've seen this article. Uh, can you just kind of give me your first thoughts on it when you uh, read the headline? One of my first thoughts uh, was what kind of world are we living in when someone wants to file suit, I, uh, basically against the words of the Lord. Just take take the publishers out of it. Basically, what, what society are we living in when we are when you want to file suit or, or file some type of legal action for for damages rendered to you by the words of the father? That was one of my thoughts. 
Okay. Uh, you're willing to uh, This man, Fowler, he claims that uh, the actions on the uh, part of these publishers, uh, it caused him uh, to be an outcast from his family and contributed to physical discomfort and periods of demoralization, chaos, and bewilderment. You know, that being the case, uh, you know, if something is causing that on you, don't you, shouldn't you have a right to file suit? <clears throat> well, I want to go to the scripture because um, it, it's all based on this, on Proverbs 28 and 5, when it reads, Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. So the point of this man thinking that he's being demoralized, he's bewildered, he's rejected, it's because he's just like one, just like how we all were at one time. We were all without the knowledge of the Lord. And the thing is that we must humble ourselves to this word, okay, and learn this word, because an uh, evil man don't know right from wrong. He could care less. But the righteous, the, the Heavenly Father, who has no beginning of days and no ending of days, he created right, okay? So he knows what this should be, what world, what the world should be, what man's purpose should be and everything. So... To him on that point, he must repent and learn the ways of righteousness. It's not that it's, it's, it's going against him because he thinks it's going against him because he don't know any better. So. Okay. Okay, Kabar. Um, you know, in the scriptures it says that God is love, and, and there's a uh, common perception that God loves us all. That being the case, it, you know, doesn't it go to reason that God would not want any terminology in the scriptures that is going to cause us to stress. You know, for example, in this situation, you know, this term homosexual caused this man a great deal of distress. Uh, would, would, would not God want us to have that change so this man is not stressed out by it? Brother, you know, first of all, the interpretation of certain scriptures being God loves everyone uh, it's a misinterpretation. Number one, just to clear that up, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 7, it says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. So you read in First John 5 and five and 4 um, that the love of God is to keep his commandments. That's how you show love toward the Most High. So those who keep the Most High's commandments are the ones who love them, and in turn, those are the ones the Most High loves. All right, and those who seek the most high early, meaning when that word of repentance or whenever his word come to you and you are out of line with it, you move quickly to get yourself in alignment with it. Those are the, those are the ones who the most high love. So just to clear up that point. Going on to your next point, when you when you deal with that word, because we're talking about terminology, okay, and I'm just going to approach this from sort of a technical aspect. When you look at that phrase in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, all right, the last part, that's translated homosexuals. In the King James, it says, abusers of themselves of mankind. All right, that is translated out of the Greek word, arsinokatas. All right, that's the Greek word. That Greek word means one who lies with a male as with a female. In today's vernacular, if you transliterate that in today's vernacular in terms, that will be called a homosexual. And that's where all the confusion lies. 
Only thing is that phrase is transliterated out of the Greek word as homosexuals. It's not a misinterpretation. It's not a mistranslation. It's just transliterated out of the literal, literal Greek word. And in today's vernacular, in English, that would mean, that phrase would mean homosexual. Okay? Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, Brother Kazakia, uh, kind of uh, piggybacking on uh, the comments from Kabar. Um, according to Fowler, prior to 1976, the King James Version of the Bible did not use the term homosexual. Okay? So apparently he was he's fine with the version that was used prior to 1976. Question is, are these publishers injecting their own meaning and opinion into the scripture by making those changes? In my honest opinion, no, but I, I do have to warn. I need, uh, I need to read this scripture right here in Revelation chapter 22. Because when we start dealing with the word of the Lord and 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 the, what it means and what it says or how it's interpreted 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 excuse me, its interpretation, we have to be very careful. Um, Revelation chapter twenty two and verse eighteen, it says, "For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him." The plagues that are written in this book, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. So basically, the point of this all, point of this all is, when we're dealing with the words of the heavenly Father, we have to deal with the scriptures with the words as is. Okay, because that's our only justification. Also, when you read uh, in Romans. If I could just read it just right quick, Romans. Sure. Romans chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter 3. And starting at verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings. And mightest be overcome when thou art judged. So the reason why this particular scripture comes to mind as well is because when we're dealing with the scriptures with the heavenly Father, we have to be justified in what we say. We also have the, and our justification comes from what the Lord says. So overall, the bottom line, our justification comes from the scriptures, the Bible itself, and the words that are, uh, and the words that are in this book, as far as the publications and things of that nature are concerned. The, 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 what I've seen in these recent times with these different with these different versions of the Bible that are currently in press in print, excuse me, in circulation, the effect and the the effect of what what's really meant that's taken away. So we have to be careful in how we deal with it. And the King James version, uh, which is the most the closest, most accurate version translation. From the Greek and the Hebrew, that's the version that we should be dealing with. The more the more that you get into these other versions that are currently in circulation right now, you you begin to lose the effect of the scriptures and what the Heavenly Father is telling us. Okay, 
Yawanathan, there, there are a number of references uh, to homosexuality and house of sin and the house and abomination and so forth. Why is it the Bible picks on homosexuals? <clears throat> well, first, the, the scriptures don't uh, pick on homosexuals. Sexuals. The Heavenly Father warns us and tells us things to do and tells us things not to do. <clears throat> um, I would like to go to a scripture, First Samuel 2, verse 3, and it reads, Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not ar- arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. So the Lord commands us on many things to do, okay? And he sits back and watches us on whether we do them or not. And by us doing those things or by us not doing those things, the Lord either blesses us or he corrects us by punishment, by affliction, uh, even by death. Whatever the Lord measures see as meat, that, that he acts out on us. <clears throat> um, so to think someone is uh, picking on someone just on uh, homosexuality, that's not the case. The, the Lord just commands us not to do those things, to abstain from those things. Um, one more scripture, if I may, Second Corinthians 5 and 10. And it says, uh, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he have done, whether it be good or bad. So, again, it's the, the do word, the done word. Whether whatever terminology a man may call it, homosexuality, a man might call it gay, and a man might call it just being happy, or a life threat, or whatever. If it's the actions that, if it's the actions the Lord said not to do, then we can't do those things. And then, for someone to think that uh, the scriptures are picking on homosexuality is not, as we call it, because back when the Lord first gave it to us, He said, "Lie with a man, with another man, as you lay with a woman." It's not the scriptures are not picking on no sin. He says all sin is sin. All right. He wants us to repent and be like his son Christ. Okay. Can we read the scripture right quick? That's uh, that, uh, the further piggyback on the point that the brother just established. Sure. Because uh, the, the the question was posed: Why does the Bible pick on homosexuals? And as the brother explained, the Bible doesn't pick on homosexuals. And not just homosexuals per se. No. If you are a thief, if you are a murderer, if you are a homosexual, if you if you are a murderer of your father or a murderer of your mother, if you practice witch, witchcraft, the words, the scripture is picking on you as well. And I don't like the, the the word pick may be a strongly used word in this particular context, but the context raw point is if we're not in line or if we're not doing what the Lord says to do, then we need to either correct our actions and be in line and Man, abide in Christ, or we suffer the punishment. Now, in First Corinthians, excuse me, in First Timothy one and nine, the only thing I'm going to do is read it. It says, "Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for mur- fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers." For liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So, if any anybody that falls within this particular category right here, written in First First Timothy, the Scriptures is coming out to you and is telling you 
the scriptures, excuse me, the commandments are made for us to be corrected. And if we choose not to accept the correction of the Bible, the correction of the scriptures, and follow the example of Christ, then we deal with the consequences for our actions, which is the judgment, which is which was uh, what the brothers had read earlier. Okay. Uh, brothers, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the responses to the questions here. And uh, those are some very, very strong points that you're making. And I know that there are people right now who are listening to us that uh, probably would have a comment either in support or maybe a comment that uh, may uh, be a little bit against uh, what, what, you, what you're suggesting from the scriptures. Um, and I would like to invite those people to uh, just stop by and visit with us in the virtual living room uh, to ask questions or to make their comments by calling 646-716-7749. And I want to remind you that this is an, a one-hour show, and it will end at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So if, if you have a comment or question, uh, don't delay on uh, dialing in. Um, now, let me, let me read just a, uh, something I read before from this article uh, to kind of set up a question here I have. And it, and it talks about Fowler. It says, and, uh, he says he was completely distraught after discovering the term homosexual was added to the Bible in 1976 and then removed in 2001 and 2006 without any consideration to the many victims who commit suicide or are murdered because of their sexual preference of homosexuality. So in the last 30 or 40 years, you know, there have been, uh, you know, some changes to the Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk out on a limb and assume, you know, and I know that's not always safe to assume, but I think it's, it's fairly safe this time to say that that was not the only change that was made. There were other changes also. And since those changes are being made, uh, shouldn't it be okay for the Bible to be changed to confirm to a modern-day life, the way we're living life right now, the way most people go about living their lives? Uh, anybody jump in and answer that if they like. When you go into, number one, you know, you have, when you're dealing with the scriptures, the scriptures, no scriptures written in a vacuum, meaning one scripture will link up with another and they will all agree together from Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation. All right, Isaiah 28 and 10, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. All up. And as you read through, you're not going to find any contradictions. All right, there, there are no contradictions in the scriptures. There's only a lack of understanding. And when you go um, to Romans chapter 1 and verse 27, all right, it, it's going to basically bring out the same thing that we were reading about in First Corinthians six and nine. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recom that recompense of the error which was meet. So we're showing you here, as far as when you're dealing with the men with men, okay, men lying with men as they lie with a woman, not dealing with the woman or having that union with the woman according to how the Lord set it up, but men seeking out men, other men to have unions with, and women seeking out other women to have unions with. We already read in other scriptures how this is an abomination. And today's terminology as language changes, uh, different words uh, develop to describe the same things, and that's where you get terms like, 
lesbianism, meaning women with women, or homosexuality, meaning men with men. But the thing is that the scriptures do not change, all right? The intent, the meaning of the scriptures do not change. And when you go to uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, this is with Christ's position. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, it tells you about Christ. And the Mosai is the same way. It says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. So the scriptures will always remain. What they mean never changes. Men just come to a better understanding of what they mean. All right? The meaning never changes. It's just a matter of the Mosai opening up that understanding and you coming to understand what they truly mean. All right? So the scriptures are supposed to change for anybody. We being wicked, as Christ said, are supposed to repent and mold ourselves and change ourselves into what the scriptures say. Right. Okay. And would you mind if I read this one as well? No, I don't mind. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 and verses, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the point here is in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, because everything that this world promotes, everything that is considered popular or is considered popular or what's considered standard or is considered the norm of this world <clears throat> is contrary to the scriptures. So now what we have to do is do not allow the world and um, what this current present world considers norm or regular or standard uh, to, to, to mold us. What molds us are the scriptures. So we're supposed to be molded and shaped and formed by what the Lord says to do. In reference to and in, in reference to uh, the, the the homosexuality thing, this is this is not about homosexuality. This is about what it is that we're supposed to do, and how the world has taken everything and more or less made it backwards. What was once considered wrong, or what was once considered immoral, now has become more or less standard and, and common and accepted. But the scriptures tell us. To be conformed to this world But to be transformed By the renewing of our minds That transformation comes in the form of repentance In other words We're stopping everything that we do That is contrary to the sound doctrine of Christ And his teachings And we're coming back And we're making sure that we're leading our lives In accordance to what the Lord says to do In accordance to the teachings of Christ So that we can prove or demonstrate that acceptable good will of the Lord, which is to lead decent, God and godly lives according to how the Lord outlined it for us to live. Okay. All right. Now, you know, that's, that's a no, very, very no. strong point. Very strong point. But you know that there have been uh, studies done about history, you know, by historians, sociologists, and so forth, that, that shows that, you know, at one time we were, you know, an agrarian society where we depended heavily on farming and so forth. But times have changed. We've gone through uh, the Industrial Revolution, and now we are heavily dependent upon high technology and all that. And because of those changes, you know, there, there are different things that are required of society. Back in the time when we, we were heavily dependent upon agriculture, 
you know, you had a need for a lot of hands to work the field. So, you know, huge families were, you know, a, a, a seriously big plus. You know, you wanted to have plenty of children because that was that was really wealth for you, okay? But now if you have a huge family, in some respects, that can be a negative for you because, it, you know, we, they, the children don't really bring money to your house. They, they're more of a liability in some respects, okay? Now, uh, con- considering the, those changes, you know, considering the fact that, you know, ages ago, in the, in the society dependent on agriculture, obviously, you know, something like homosexuality and adultery, those kinds of things would be a really real hindrance to a prosperous society. So you can see clearly how, you know, back a long time ago that you really needed to have those type laws in place. But now society doesn't depend so much on that. You don't need all those people. So the behaviors that are not going to, uh, you know, build families and so forth, you know, uh, are those so important? You know, are those important now? Can't considering the fact that we're in a, in a technological age, can't the Bible be changed to suit today's situation? And I, I understand the scriptures you just read, Brother Kazakia, but you want to what you would like to um, comment on that? Yes. Um, first. Um, to the question of um, why still are the <clears throat> excuse me, so why is there still a need to have scriptures against homosexuality? It's because uh, that's what the Lord commanded. Um, Psalms one nineteen and sixty. If I can get it, it says Psalms chapter one nineteen and verse sixty. And it reads, excuse me, Psalms, yeah, 119, verse 60. 119 and verse 89, rather. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Okay, so the scriptures tell you that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And no, regardless of what, Society might think is right or wrong or, or whatever. The Lord has stated what's right, and that's what's to remain. I mean, one more verse, Psalms 119 and uh, verse 1, uh, let's see. I can't see uh, Yeah, in verse 160, Psalms chapter 119 and verse 160. It says, Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So, I mean, society may think uh, something might be good for now or it's okay for now, but it's not not according to the word of the Lord. Because like we read earlier, that we're not to be conformed to this world. Because the scriptures also tell you that Christ is coming again, and he's coming to establish his kingdom on eternal righteousness. He's coming just the same way he left. So we're not to be swayed by what man thinks or what they consider would be better suited for now, but more lean on the word of the Lord and trust in his knowledge and repent and follow his son Christ. Okay. I'll finish. 
Right. Thanks for that point. Kazakia, uh, the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 9 refers to fornicators. Now, we know that uh, fornication is sex outside of marriage as well as any other illicit sex. Um, now, these these scriptures, these uh, instructions and laws, they're probably in place, you know, to prevent uh, disease and prevent uh, children from being born outside of wedlock and so forth. But, you know, in recent years, we had some tremendous, and I say recent years, I'm saying that probably within the last 50 to 100 years, there have been some tremendous advances in uh birth control and contraception and condoms and so forth, so that, you know, if you were having sex, you, you know, quite possibly you could uh, be able to do that with virtually anyone you want without any, any pregnancy resulting or any disease resulting, provided you take the proper precautions. Now, if you're taking the proper precautions, uh, shouldn't you be able to go ahead and have sex and w with whoever you like? And if that's the case, Shouldn't the Bible go ahead and be? Shouldn't we just go ahead and change the Bible? How the publishers change the Bible, so that it shows that you're you're capable of doing so. No sir, no sir. Um, let's understand one point. These these scriptures that are written in this Bible, <clears throat> these scriptures are for our benefit. They they, they these scriptures are for are the foundation for an upright and righteous society. And right about now, just just take a look at the news and, and things that's happening in, in the world, the media, everything that that the Bible speaks against is currently being promoted. It's currently being what? Promoted. Everything that, that the Bible speaks against is being promoted. Witchcraft, homosexuality, and lesbianism. Uh, good gracious, murder, idolatry. Idolatry. You hear it in the videos. I'm a, uh, in, the, in the music videos. I'm gonna smoke this fool. I'm gonna smoke that fool. Or, or, or are people praying to Santo this or Santo that? No, no. The, the, these scriptures are for our benefit. So, 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 so the overall point in all of this is we've got to, as it was previously mentioned earlier, we've got to conform to. This uh, to the to the scriptures and not conform to this world. If I can read a scripture just right quick in First John two, it says, First John two and fifteen, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So in other words, what and keeping the germane to what we're talking about, as far as these advances and shouldn't things. Be updated in the Bible. Be updated to to, to 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 fit what's going on in the world today. No, we're supposed to not love this world. So everything that this world promotes that is contrary to the scriptures, uh, it's the, the 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 same sex marriage, whatever. No, no, we're not supposed to love that. We're supposed to cling to this word because this word is our life. This word is our salvation. It doesn't matter what the world what the world says it does. That's 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 currently the the, the established norm. It, what's more important is what the Lord says that we ought to do, and we ought to humble ourselves to that. But you know, uh, when when you look at the way that uh, we've been raised and the things we've been taught from the time that you probably in a grammar school, you know, it, it's a situation where the, the majority rules. So the majority of people. Say that this is the way you go. That's that's what's right. You know that's how laws are made and, and so on and so forth. So c considering that, if the majority of people are, are, are 
condoning, they are embracing, you know, free love, so to speak, you know, having sex with who you will, just as long as you're not hurting anybody. If the majority of people are embracing that, then why should that be wrong? Well, I'm sure a lot of people in Sodom and Gomorrah thought the same way, and look what happened to that. Okay. You know, I have a a verse to piggyback on that point that the brother said, Um, Hebrews 13 and 4. It reads, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So no matter what society might try to push on you, those who have faith in the words of Christ and in the words of the Heavenly Father, they, they should stick true to what the Scripture says. So if you're married and you want children or you don't want children, whatever you do in your marriage, that's fine. But the Scriptures say it's honorable in marriage. And the bed isn't defiled, but he said the whoremongers, uh, those who men that sleep around, um, there goes that language thing. Because now we call those guys players, pimps, um, um, whatever you may call them. You know, those people, the heavenly and adulterers, those men that just sleeping with married women, those women that are sleep are married, are sleeping with other men. The heavenly, the scripture says that he's going to judge that. You know. You know, because we, we're talking about, you know, should the scriptures change or mold for the uh, quote-unquote advances in society? And it, it's just a perversion of what people measure as, as advances in society. All right, it's things, technology, these things. It's not the moral character of people. So that that's a perversion of what people think advancement is. But as far as the scriptures... You go into Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, because should the scriptures change for the changes in society? Well, this is a response from Christ, who is going to come and rule the entire planet, according to the same thing we're reading. So Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot, one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And we understand that that law comes through his edification. So Christ is not changing that for anybody. You can say whatever you want or feel however you want. You have to come and submit to the will of the Most High Christ. And And just to seal that, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strive the words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourselves. So these verses cover everything in this topic, everything, the whole psychology behind what the man brought in the article, the whole psychology of the world and their approach to life, and how we are supposed to approach life and those who live godly and seek after Christ in the kingdom. Okay? So the, the scriptures, the most on Christ, they change for no one. 
everything has to change and mold itself to its will. And that is the end. All right. Well, very well uh, stated there, brother. But, you know, there was a situation where uh, Christ and the disciples, they were going through a cornfield on the Sabbath day, and they were pulling corn and eating it. And the scribes and Pharisees knew there was something wrong with that because it was on the Sabbath day and they were actually doing work. But Christ showed them how that, you know, uh, the Sabbath day was not, man was not made for Sabbath day, but the Sabbath day was made for man. And, you know, all he was was eating, he was not working. Okay, so um, in, in, in that respect, you know, he, he, he did, didn't that kind of lay the groundwork for things to kind of be changed? Because here the scribes and Pharisees, these are the guys who knew the law. They taught the law, okay? So them, them knowing the law and Christ coming and showing them how that uh, on the Sabbath day we're not supposed to do any work. They knew that, you know, if you pull corn on the Sabbath, Sabbath day that you were working, all right? So doesn't that kind of lay the groundwork so that some other things could possibly be changed? For example, uh, you know, years ago when I was a kid, for example, you know, uh, pork was known to have all kinds of parasites and so forth. If you were going to eat it, you had to cook it thoroughly, you had to be done all the way through and all these kinds of things. But at that time and time before that, pigs were fed anything and everything. They were fed uh, garbage that had been rotten for days and so forth, and they had ate dead animals and all kinds of filth. But nowadays they are raised in oftentimes in really clean environments. They are being fed grain. They, they never touch any garbage or anything like that. And the meat is suspected by the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture. On top of that, you have doctors. These are people that have spent years and years and years studying health and studying foods and, and, and nutrition and all these things, they will tell people, uh, uh, patients who have um, a, like high blood pressure, they may even have some heart problems or something like that, they will even tell these patients that the leaner cuts of pork are just as healthy for them to eat as it is chicken, considering those kinds of things. And I understand the points you're making, but, you know, it, it seems to me that uh, possibly – because of those things, because of these kind of advances, that maybe the book should be changed. You know, just to clear up that one scripture that that uh, you mentioned in Matthew's 12 about them plucking the ears of corn, number one, they wasn't reaping the fields or doing work, all right? They went out and got some food to eat. And when you jump down to verse 7 in that same chapter 12, it tells you, but if you had known this, this what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye, ye would have not condemned the guiltless. All right? So they, the, the scribes and the Pharisees were, was perverting and didn't even understand what the Sabbath they meant or what it was about. And that's what Christ was clearing up on many occasions. When you go into the the, uh, the so-called advances and why now swans should be okay, and why... Uh, hey, look, look, I'm sorry, brother, but it looks like we have a visitor uh, Visitor, if you would go ahead and um, give us your name and uh, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hello, brother. This is uh, Kongabar. I've been enjoying listening to the show. But uh, I, I had a question on something um, concerning the topic that you're going over. Because sometimes, you know, I think people get confused if you could elaborate on these two scriptures. Um, 
First Samuel. Second Samuel one twenty six. So somebody can read on it and see if that's in contradiction with what Christ brought out in Mark ten, verse six through nine. Is it Second Samuel? Second Samuel one twenty six and Mark ten verses six through nine because you're dealing with men and men and women with women. Second Samuel. And I'll listen to the response. Second Samuel one and twenty six. I believe I heard it was kind of hard hearing. I think that's what he said. Second Samuel one and twenty six. I'll give you Mark. Okay, so Second Samuel 1 and 26. And I'll hang up and listen to the response, brother. Thank you. All right, oh, okay. thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the virtual living room. Thank you. Let's see, Second Samuel 1 and 26. Oh, okay, okay. I am, let's see, Second Samuel 1 and 26. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. This has nothing to do with man with man, woman with woman. What David is saying here, he was basically, he was basically commenting and letting his brother Jonathan, which coincidentally was the son of uh, the uh, Saul, thank you. I always get those two confused. Samuel and Saul was the king of Saul. Uh, excuse me, the son of King Saul, who was. Now, what uh, David was basically saying was, Jonathan, you've been above and beyond a brother to me. You've you've treated me better than a woman treated me. But in the context of brotherhood, you've been there for me. You've taken care for me. You have making sure you've provided for me. You've making sure that I lacked. Nothing. That was that true spirit of brotherhood, that true spirit of love that the brother Jonathan was showing to David. It had nothing to do with uh, uh, homosexuality of men uh, lying with men or women lying with women. That that that's not the case here. Okay. All right. Is that other scripture was it? Mark was that? Is that right, Kamar? Yeah, Mark chapter ten and verse six. Okay. Before uh, you go into it, let me just. Um, Say to the people who are listening in that uh, you know I, I know there's somebody out there that you know has a, a question of coming to mind and I uh, just want to ask them not to be shy about calling in. Uh, I promise you that nobody's going to bite your head off. Uh, if, if you would go ahead and call in and visit with us uh, by calling six four six seven one seven seven four nine. Okay, Kabar, if you would go ahead with that scripture, Mark. Yeah, uh, this is Mark chapter ten verse six through nine. It says, from the beginning of the of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. Whatsoever, what therefore God have joined together, let no man put asunder. So this is going into the original uh, establishment of the institution of marriage that the Most High did in Genesis. And it shows you here that the Most High designed it for a man to, to be with a woman, for a woman to be with man. Same thing you read in First Corinthians. And that they were supposed to come together 
in the union under the laws of God. And that was considered the bad undefiled and that righteous marriage that the Most High established. Okay? Anything, any sexual uh, relations outside of that in any way, shape, or form is an abomination to the Lord. Okay? So it's showing you here that the Most High originally created the union that men and women are supposed to have, and, they, and that's the way it's supposed to be carried out until, from then until now and forever. Okay. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that uh, addressed uh, the caller's uh, uh, question about those two scriptures and did a thorough job of it. But I want to get back to uh, what we're speaking in terms of uh, the, the, the pork and all that. And I think, Kabar, you were responding to that. You know, uh, the stuff has, you know, been cleaned up. And, I mean, the doctors and so forth, they, you know, actually tell people who, you know, in some respects are sick people. You know, they have high blood pressure. They have some type of heart problems or whatever. But they tell them the leaner cuts are safe to eat. You know, they're actually about as nutritious as chicken breast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, considering that, you know, shouldn't the scriptures against Eating pork be eliminated from the uh, from the Bible, and it goes yeah, it goes right back to the point in that man. You see, God created man, okay, and then God gave laws to man to govern their lives in righteousness. When you go into Leviticus chapter eleven and verse seven, dealing with the issue with the swine, it says, "And the swine, though he divideth the hoof and cheweth the cud, yet he excuse me." It says, "And the swine, though he divideth the hoof." And be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. Of their flesh shall you not eat, and, and their coffee shall you not touch. They are unclean to you. So here it is, you have this particular animal, swine, pig, and it does not meet the two qualifications that will make it a clean animal. The Mosai therefore says that we, it is forbidden for us to eat it, to touch its, its, its highs, or, or to deal with it in that manner. You want to have it as a pet? You want to have it on the farm to eat the slop, that's fine. But you can't eat it or use it high, okay? So now man has to now understand that scripture and conform himself to uh, uh, the commandment of the Lord. It has nothing to do with refrigeration. It has nothing to do with better antibiotics. It has everything to do with these are the commandments of the Lord, and we must obey it. I'd like to uh, read read something right right in line with that right there that you uh, that you uh, stated, brother. Uh, two scriptures, if I could, right quick. First scripture, Ecclesiastes three and fourteen. It says, "I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before Him." Now, in reference to the pork and everything else that we've been talked uh, that we've been talking about this afternoon. First things first. We conform ourselves to the Lord. That's it. We do not conform ourselves to society. Society should also conform itself to the Heavenly Father. What the Heavenly Father established from the beginning is what we are still to cling to now. The only difference is we follow everything that the Lord established through the example of Jesus Christ. So if, for example, same-sex marriages at the beginning when the Lord established it, it's wrong now. If the Lord said we're not to eat the pork, at the beginning in Leviticus 11 and 7 and Deuteronomy 14 and 8, then it's wrong now. If it's wrong to be disrespectful to your parents when the Lord said it once upon a time, then it's still wrong now. That's the, that's the thing. These laws are in place so that we fear and we reverence the Heavenly Father. 
Second scripture, Proverbs 3 and 5. Because uh, I've heard about the advances in society, advances in technology, things of that nature. Well, the Lord says here, Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. So first and foremost, we trust in the Lord when we follow his commandments, now through example of his son Christ. And when we start interjecting our opinions into what the Lord has established as doctrine, i.e. the Bible, that's what we lean in on our own understanding. The example of there have been so many advances in science that the, that the leaner cuts of the pig are now just as healthy for you as the chicken breast. That is an example of us leaning on our own understanding. We're supposed to trust in the Lord by following his scriptures, following the commandments, following his son Jesus Christ. Because when we lean on, on, on our own understanding, when we lean on our own opinion, when we come up with these advances in science, so forth and so on, that, 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 that makes it look like, okay, the Bible is outdated or the Bible has no relevance for us in these days and times, that also is an example of us leaning on our own, our own understanding, which the Lord said not to do. These commandments are in place so that we have fear for the Heavenly Father and respect for his laws, because these laws are for our benefit. First uh, Timothy chapter six verse one first Timothy chapter six verse twenty. And it reads, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so so called. So he's charging Timothy to uh, keep that which is right, the commandments. You want to think? Would you would you read that scripture for me again, please? Yes, it's First uh, Timothy chapter six, verse twenty. O Timothy, keep that which is committed. Keep, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science falsely so called which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. So the point of the matter is he's okay. telling them to watch out for all this science because it's all against uh, the false science. is against the word of the Lord because we must live, like the scripture says, that we must live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay. Well, that, I think that was pretty clear, you know, science, all right? So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard, hard to refute that because, you know, when you start looking at, you know, historians and sociologists and medical doctors and so forth, there's, still, there's always science involved in that. But now there's, there's another way of looking at this, too, and um, you have people that believe in the Bible. They believe the Bible is the Word of God, okay? Most of them... Um, don't agree with the lifestyle of homosexuality, at least that's what they tell you, or, or fornication or adultery or any of those things, okay? All right, but most of them observe a Sabbath or a day of worship on Sunday, okay? Con considering that, considering the fact that they, most of them are observing it on Sunday, shouldn't the Bible be changed to conform to that? And we have to be really brief on that question because we're right out of time. We so go to should not be changed to conform to that. Genesis, Christ, most the Sabbath day is the seventh day. 
Not the name of the day. Whatever day is the seventh day, that's the Sabbath day. No one can change that, and it's not a different day. The seventh day of the week is the Sabbath. Okay. All right. With that said, brothers, uh, I uh, appreciate all your participation. I appreciate the people who came to listen to us today. Uh, Most high, in the name of Christ, bless you all. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at reach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom. Thank you.